Animalar Kickoff, episode 61, with your hosts, Dan Power and Pete Steinberg. Hello, folks. Welcome. Episode 61, and it is right before the draft. Dan Power with you alongside the professor, Pete Steinberg. Pete, how are you today, my friend? I'm doing well, Dan. I am doing well. I'm excited. Like, it's been... um, it's been great the last couple of weeks to kind of uh, jump into some of these prospects that are coming through the draft, go back and look at, you know, some of the college games that probably you didn't watch because it's two D2 teams or, you know, looking, looking for players. It's been really interesting um, going back and looking at, um, looking at the college game in America. Yeah, and uh, I think that's going to be one of the big benefits that come out of this. A lot more eyes will be focused on the college game now, and that can only be a good thing for rugby in America as that uh, system continues to grow. But, Pete, we have a massive show tonight. We have two special guests, Brendan Sparks. He'll be joining us later. First up, though, it'll be Ryan Fitzgerald from NOLA Gold, Brendan Sparks from Utah Warriors, sorry. Uh, Fitzy will be joining us momentarily, Pete. But before we welcome Fitzy to the show, Let's just go through the draft order for Saturday night one more time. I'll handle round one. You want to handle round two? What do you think? Sure. I'll try and read, read the names in order correctly. Well done, Pete. You, got, <laughs> you just continue to astound me every time we do this. All right. The first ever pick will go to the newly named Dallas Jackals. They'll pick at one. Nola will pick at two via LA, the Giltinis, also newly named Giltinis. The Warriors have pick three. We'll talk to Brandon Sparks about that one. They got that in that trade with Houston, with Robbie Povey going down to Houston and all of Houston picks going to Utah. Austin, Mike Gilgronis unite at number four. Seattle at five. New England at six. Utah back on the clock at seven. Atlanta, New York, eight and nine respectively. Nola with their second and last pick at number 10. DC and San Diego, your undefeatable pick at 12. Pete, round two, take us through it. Well, round two will be interesting, Dan, because I think this is where um, teams will start making some gambles. But we open up with the two expansion teams, so the Dallas Jackals and the LA um, Giltinis. And then we get Utah, that they, um, the number 15 pick that they get via Houston for that trade for Povey. Then we have um, your team, the Gilgronies at number 16. Seattle, followed by New England. We have Utah with their second pick in the second round and then um we have atlanta new york and then la with their swap with nola they take 22 dc and the last pick is san diego what's the name of the uh, last is it like mr irrelevant isn't that that is right pick? mr irrelevant will be going to san diego this and year san diego, so, the 24th and round. in the tradition of the nfl draft i think that it's only fitting that we have mr irrelevant on the show uh for the next podcast pete what do you think I think I think that would be great. Although I've looked at all these prospects, Dan, and I know that the uh, the league cut down the number of rounds. Um, I think there are definitely uh, more than twenty four athletes that have a future in Major League Rugby. So it may not be quite as irrelevant as it is in the NFL. No, I agree, and I think a lot of players' phones will be ringing uh, at around about eight thirty nine p.m. Eastern Saturday once the draft finishes as well. So a lot of GMs will be on the phone looking for free agent pickups as well. And one of those GMs, Pete, we will welcome to the show right now. It's Ryan Fitzgerald, who is the GM of NOLA Gold. And we had a chance to sit down with Fitzy a little earlier today. 
Uh, joined now <laughs> by Nola Gold GM, Ryan Fitzgerald. And Fitzy, we've been having a good chat leading up to this, but now it's all business as we are just a few sleeps away from the first ever Major League Rugby draft. And uh, you will find yourself in the hot seat pretty early in this draft after a few trades, my friend. Let's talk a little bit about that first. What led to that decision and, uh, you know, how'd that conversation start up with LA? Yeah, absolutely. And hey, Jens, thanks a lot for having me. Awesome stuff. Uh, exciting uh, to be a couple of days away here. So, um, yeah, it started with, uh, you know, we were trying to get out in front and get pretty aggressive with it. Um, you know, with, with, you know, cap space and, you know, and stuff is always a valuable asset, um, especially something. And then obviously with trading a, a draft pick and kind of just heard, heard a little bit, obviously LA, you know, uh, had a couple, you know, maybe looking for some extra foreigner spots. Um, you know, how we had our roster, we were pretty, pretty balanced and pretty excited about the guys that are coming back, obviously. And the guys that, you know, we had, um, even though this past year, we were pretty much playing with eight. Uh, foreigners, uh, foreigner spots, and uh, actually down to seven a couple times. You know, that last game of the year when we played against New England with uh, with Dottie going down. So, um, just kind of being aggressive and getting out in front of it. Want to try to sneak a little extra cap space, maybe see if we could get up a little bit. And sure enough, we we're able to, uh, you know, talking to Matt, making a move and uh, get up to uh, worked out that we were able to get up to number two. So, talk a little bit about your process of identifying talent. Like, is it has it been through coach connections? Have you been sourcing video? And in particular, have you been regional? Have you been looking sort of in the South? Is that been what, what one of your focuses or is this really just a national look? I would say D all the above, B. I mean, no, without a doubt. Uh, um, I think it even started back, I mean, 2018, we're at the College All-American Camp in 2018. Um, you know, some of those kids now that we're at that are now seniors that are coming out in this class. We actually digging back up and to our you know, notes uh, from 2018 and talking to some of these kids. So uh, building relationships, just like you said, uh, we've, I think over the past couple of years, it's been really uh, building some good relationships and some good pathways. Um, obviously we have a couple of guys on our team, you know, from, you know, St. Mary's, we have, you know, Kevin Sullivan from Cal. So we're trying to, trying to expand out there, you know, life, Lindenwood, uh, this past year with Arkansas state as well with Tabo. So um, building as many relationships, obviously we can uh, even, you know, one more obviously in there is Penn state with Malcolm. So, um, building as many relationships we can, and then obviously uh, regional for sure. Um, when we first, when I first got this job, it was all about draft and develop. Obviously, expanding and you know, doing everything you can across the country and even worldwide. Obviously, with uh, you know some good foreign foreign players coming in across the overseas as well, but also in our own backyard as well. You know, we our men's club has been around here since 1973. I, I played on that for 10 years. All the old boys, the best old boy no, uh, network in in the country, and. Um, doing every single thing that we could to develop our own guys as well in our backyard and giving the guys an opportunity. Like, hey, this isn't all gold on the left here and NORFC on the right. This is one brotherhood, one family, one culture. Um, all of our old boys help us out just as much as they do at NORFC. And uh, that's what we're all kind of striving for. And that's kind of a, a big pitch to a lot of the, the young kids and the college kids as well is that, hey, if you come in here and you miss that 23-man roster or something like that after training camp or anything, you at least still have a pathway that you're going to get a game on Saturday in the men's club. And that's what we're kind of trying to uh, challenge and continue to make these guys compete. So talk a little bit about your, like, the selection process, how you work with Nate Osborne, the coach. I know you have some, a number of player coaches that have professional overseas experience down at NOLA. How does, how does you know, tell us a little bit about the team and how that team works together. Yeah, we have a really, really, you know, just outstanding open discussions about it. It's, um, you know, obviously myself as the GM, you know, Nate is, um, 
obviously is the head coach, Todd Fitzgerald, their assistant coach and the GM and assistant GM and uh, Kane Thompson's a massive piece as well uh, with some of the selection being a forwards coach. Um, you know, we kind of look at our board at the end of the year, look at the contracts, kind of identify which guys are obviously under contract, who we like, you know, obviously just like everybody does, your exit interview process situation. Um, and then kind of look at the college kids, digging into um, and having that open mind about draft and develop, knowing that you're looking at a kid, no matter what school he's at, if he's at the powerhouses of like, you know, the Lifes and the St. Mary's, or if he's had a, you know, one double A, whatever, anywhere it is, just looking at the kid and seeing if he's a, a coachable, smart, you know, tough, you know, high rugby IQ, eager to learn kid that can come in here and get in the professional environment and excel quickly. And that's what we're kind of looking for. And we're all having that same mindset and all having an open mind and open discussions. You know, I, I never, as a GM, I take, you know, it's, it's an open board. It does no good for me to absolutely love a player and think this kid's going to be great. And, you know, Nate doesn't, or Nate's not on the same page. It's all great that I like love him as a GM and I can sign him and pick him. It does no good if he's got to go play for Nate and Nate's not on board, you know, just for, for an instance. And that rarely ever happens because I think we do a really good job of having the communication of what we're looking for. Uh, how we're, you know, I know how Nate likes to run his pattern and what we're looking for. He's very open-minded. Um, you know, we look for versatile players that we can get creative with as well. And when you got a smaller salary cap, kind of like I was obviously in this league uh, starting up, you know, you got to get creative a little bit. And uh, building depth and watching guys grow is kind of what we're all about. All right, Fitzy, you're a few days out here. How close are you and Nate to solidifying that pick? Do you know who you're going to take it to yet? Or is it still up for negotiation? And you won't have a good idea until the day of the draft. I think, yeah, I think we're pretty locked in on, uh, uh, you know, um, like I said, obviously, you know, being number two, you never know what could happen at number one. But uh, I think we're pretty, uh, pretty comfortable with um, whoever uh, Dallas would select at number one. I think we're comfortable if, uh, if it was one of the, you know, two or three guys at the top of our board, we would have a, uh, we'd have a really good, you know, plan, plan A, plan B, plan C type deal. So, um, yeah, we're really, uh, I think we've done our due diligence. Um, the whole interview process, tape, every single thing. I think we checked all our boxes. And at that point, you just got to trust your board and trust your instincts and, uh, you know, make your selection and go from there. And come Saturday, when you're getting to that second round, I know just two rounds as, as the draft will evolve, will obviously go a lot deeper. Second round, what are you doing? Are you looking for a, a player you want or a player you need at that point? Are you going best player on the board available or are there some needs and some holes at Nola Gold that you're going to address first? Yeah, so at number two, if, you know, obviously you can get, uh, you know, the one that we're, you know, be fortunate that we could really dig into and really kind of maybe fill a need or not necessarily fill a need, but fill a, all the line, uh, everything lines up perfectly with, you know, depth and roster-wise, you can go ahead and get that. Um, at, at number 10, which is kind of like our second rounder because we have uh, two in the top 10 this year, uh, which we're fortunate enough. Fortunate enough. Um, yeah, I, I think I think there's – you know, if there's one that you really absolutely fall in love with, that it could be perfect. Um, but at, the, at that um, stage, at number 10, um, I think that we're just probably, you know, you're going to, you can't go wrong with going best available player, especially where, uh, like I said, going back to um, um, the depth of this league and trying to build a roster as deep as possible. And you never know where things are going to pan out. I think if you can find a really the best available that is uh, most versatile as well uh, and give yourself some options, that's always uh always kind of what you, you know a really good philosophy to look at it wise so um yeah we'll see we won't push anything probably but i mean obviously we'll be fielding calls if someone came in and tried to sneak up to number 10 or something but at the same time all options are on the table and um 
it's, it's like I said, it's really good to have that, uh, being able to have the number two for sure and then having the number 10 behind it that we're still going to get uh, a really strong player, two of them being the top 10. Sorry, Fitzy. We'll, we'll edit that out, mate. I forgot that your second round of your trade away. But uh, oh, okay. we'll, we'll, no, I'm just kidding. We won't edit that out. That's my bad. I'm going to have to live with that. The online community <laughs> is going to shred me to pieces. But hey, really appreciate you jumping on. Excited uh, to watch Saturday and, and talk with you on Saturday as those picks come in. Like you said, you're the uh, Oakland Raiders of the 2020 MLR draft with two first round picks. So, plenty yeah. of talent heading down to New Orleans. For the fans and the coaching staff to be excited about it. Appreciate you joining on, uh, joining the show, mate, and look forward to uh, seeing you on Saturday. Yeah, I can't wait. It's exciting. This is pretty, uh, pretty awesome moment. First ever MLR draft collegiately. I mean, it's a uh, uh, really, really cool, really outstanding process, and really excited for Saturday. Thanks a lot for having me on, guys. There you go, Ryan Fitzgerald. And interesting philosophies, and not surprising, Pete, uh, they are investing a lot of stock into this draft and building through the draft for the future of New Orleans. Well, you can see from the contracts that NOLA have made, um, they signed both um, Nate Osborne, the coach, and, and Ryan to long-time contracts. They're, they're signing their younger players to long-time contracts. They see this as a long-term play. They're putting a lot of investment of both sort of time and money into identifying the um, right players. I think, you know, they're bringing, I think, in a very American flavor to how they're managing the draft. So they're certainly going to be prepared um, going, into the, um, going into the draft. And of course, you know, they have the 22nd, um, well, I'm sorry, they'll, they'll have the uh, two picks, right, um, in the first round. And so they're investing in that as they go through. They traded that 22nd pick to get that number two. Yeah, thanks for making the same mistake as I did, Pete. I appreciate you backing me up there, <laughs> jumping in well, I there. Said, I said I had to read the names in order, and I couldn't do yeah. that. <laughs> yeah, beautiful. Well, let's welcome in our second guest now. It is Brendan Sparks, the director of rugby for Utah. We also caught up with Sparksy a little early today. All right, we are joined now by Brendan Sparks, director of rugby for the Utah Warriors. And Brennan, it's, it's safe to say that the Warriors have probably made the biggest splash in the 2020 draft. You will go into Saturday night with four picks, two in the first, two in the second. You acquired all of the Sabercats pick. So I wouldn't be wrong in saying you are very, very excited about what's coming up this Saturday. Yeah, yeah, we're, um, we're excited. You know, we, we, did, we did find some players that we have some high value to us um, as an organization. Uh, both on and off the field. So the fact that we were able to get four picks in the first ever college draft, uh, we're pretty pumped. And, and from what we've seen on social media, the supporters are pumped. And uh, yeah, it's cool. It's cool. Great time to be a warrior. Now, Brandon, obviously you've got a long experience in the college game, most recently um, with Michigan. Do you think that's an advantage relative to the other teams that you've got actually a long history, both connections with coaches, so you've got a good network, but also you've gone against some of the players, like you've coached against some of these players that you're looking at. That has to be an advantage for you when you're looking at the depth of the draw. Yeah, um, it's funny to think that, you know, all those long hours spent in D1A uh, meetings are finally paying off with this excellent, <laughs> with this excellent network of, of coaches and being able to reach out and, and talk to them about players, both like their own players, but then players that they've, they've coached against and seen. Um, you know, credit, credit to those guys for A, picking up my call, but B, paying attention 
in, in looking at those players and then giving me good, honest feedback. So it's awesome to see like the community of rugby, especially the community of American college coaches come together and not just support their own teams, but support the other teams uh, around the country and, and is, you know, kind of lift up these athletes, especially these lesser known athletes coming from smaller programs and making sure that they're getting, they're getting seen and noticed by the MLR. Well, let's talk about that because one of the challenges that you have when you're scouting these players is there's a huge difference in level. So, you know, you could look at what, like the D1A and you could look at St. Mary's players, right? You can look at life players and you can see them play against the best. But when, with, for some of these guys, they're playing on teams that are D2 even. Like, how do you try and like, identify the best players when like, the players around them aren't very good? What do you look for? Yeah, I mean, some things don't change, like fundamentals. Um, one thing that was one thing that we, like, we picked up on pretty early, looking at all the film, and we and we made an effort to see every player. Like, um, it, I, I emailed every coach that was submitted on that form asking for film, but like, <clears throat> you know, it's pretty easy. Uh, a lot of players use the highlight reel to demonstrate their physical prowess, especially in the contact point, which was great, but what we were starting to look at was like, Oh man, like that kid trucked a dude when he had a three on one overload. So like those general fundamentals around like passing, knowing when to pass, how to tackle um, and off the ball work rate were all crucial things that we kind of paid attention to. Um, what we did, what we did was uh, any player that we, we scored highly. Um, we didn't look at just their highlight reel. We asked for two game films and then we actually watched full game films, both Chris, me, and as well as the other coaches. Um, and then once we saw that film, that's when we submitted our final grades for these players. And we worked off of a, uh, you know, a good grading scale that allowed us to kind of get a good, accurate picture. Like that Jack Webster kid out of LSU, um, you know, he was, I didn't know who he was. But when we watched his highlight reel and then we went back and watched his full games, he really stood out. Um, not just with his phys- like not just with his fundamentals, but with his with his physical uh, attributes as well, which you know at this level that is something that you have to take into into account when you're looking at these players. Archie, talk about your relationship with Chris Latham. So obviously in the US, <laughs> the sports landscape is very familiar with the draft. Chris comes from Australia. There's no draft for, for rugby in Australia <laughs> and other sports. I think the Aussie Rules has some form of a draft, but not really a strong presence in the landscape. How has that relationship with you two been through this process in terms of identifying players? You know, it, I'll talk about like the Latham, the, the Chris Latham, the, like our relationship up to this point. It, when I like got into rugby, like one of the very first World Cups I remember watching on TV on Fox, on Fox, Fox Soccer Plus, um, he played in that game. And I remember him being like, I remember like being like, whoa, like who's this guy? And if you would have asked me what that was, 03, it was a World Cup of 03. If you would have asked me, you know, in 2020 and 2019 that we would be working together, I would have said no way. And, you know, a lot of the times people tell you never to meet your heroes. Um, and because it let you down, or I had never experienced that with Chris Latham. Like Chris Latham has been nothing but a, a gentleman. He's upfront. Um, we both run at the same level of intensity, which is an eleven, um, which really helps. And like he he 
gets rugby, he gets rugby on the field, but he also gets rugby off the field. And it's really, really good balance. And I, and I think he's exactly what um, the American rugby market and American rugby landscape needs because I, he, he's just such an asset both to us here, but us to us at the community. But as far as it goes on the draft, um, as far as it goes like with the draft, yeah, the draft concept was a, was a new experience for him. Um, you know, we had several conversations like, no, we can't just go out and get that player that we want. We have to, we have to go through this process. But, you know, he, he really leaned in and backed the process that I came up with. And, you know, even the other day he was like, you know, I, I learned something from this experience that, you know, I can't just take the word of a coach anymore. Like I should be looking at him like I'm we're like we're looking at him. So like credit to him, you know, he didn't have he didn't have to buy into that process. He didn't have to listen to me. You know, I'm 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 just an American that's passionate about rugby that's somehow been lucky enough to find him in the myself in the position that I'm in. But like he's he's been full on and in full support and and like like we've had great conversations. I got I mean I we could this entire podcast of me just talking about how great Chris Blatham is. Um, but yeah, like the process and him backing it and him looking at these American athletes and then getting excited about these American athletes contributing to the MLR ha- has been amazing. So Brandon, um, talk to us a little bit about how you think these college players are going to fit. Obviously you've got four picks. Do you think that your early picks, they can be on the 23? You think there are guys that could start next year? Do you see the second round as being more developmental? Do you have a plan for that? Like, talk to us a little bit about what you think that jump is from the college game to MLR and how the players need to bridge it. Yeah, I mean, <clears throat> like, what we're, what we're viewing the draft as is we're going to develop through the draft. Uh, very Green Bay Packers uh, model um, where we're going to find guys and we're not going to, we're not going to pressure them to be, you know, top 23 guys right away. Um, we're going to kind of let them mature at their own rate uh, and, and work their way into that top 23 um, when they're ready. Now that doesn't mean that there won't be situations where we have to thrust them in there, but uh, we're going to make sure that we give them the proper tools. Uh, it doesn't matter if they go in the first round or the second round, we're taking the same approach with all of them. Um, you know, we've, we've targeted some guys that we think will in the first round that we think can come in and push right away. Uh, and then we've also in the second round identified some guys that we think can really contribute in a year or two. And I mean, like really contribute, uh, you know, by both looking at like the family lineage, as far as who was athletes in their family, um, looking at what they did in school, how they approach school, like those little things that we know contribute to successful athletes. Uh, we've ID some guys that we think will just step in and, and develop nicely over the next couple of years. Okay, Sparksy, we'll wrap it up here, mate. But let me ask you this, and don't give too much away. Keep those cards close to the chest. Picking at three, you and Chris pretty solid on who you're going to pick at three if they're on the board still, or is that still up in the air? Yeah, we're pretty solid. Um, We can definitely promise you guys that uh, he plays rugby. So, yeah, he plays plays rugby. So, yeah. Stop the press and start taking your kid. He played rugby in college last year. Yeah, and you guys actually tagged me on Twitter with that that breaking news. Okay, you're welcome. What does it rhyme with? What what does his name rhyme with? Uh, Just kidding. Don't go any further. (laughs) League headquarters will will have me drawn and gone. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You'll get it, yeah. 
Well, you've got four picks, like we said. You're picking at three, seven, 15, and 19. It's going to be a very exciting Saturday night, not only for you and Chris, but for all Utah Warriors fans to tune in. So we look forward to uh, seeing you Saturday, Sparksy, and excited to see who goes at three to the Warriors. Awesome, guys. Thank you so much, and uh, go Warriors. There he is, Brandon Sparks, Director of Rugby, and that will be a big one, Pete. Saturday night, the MLL Draft coming your way. Beautiful stuff there. And obviously, Pete, we talked about it. Utah heavily invested in this process. They have the most picks uh, with four on Saturday night. And interesting to hear, you know, how the philosophies of, of Ryan Fitzgerald and Brandon Sparks do align and intertwine in some ways. Well, I think, you know, Brandon, probably of anyone in MLR, has um, the best network of college coaches that he can reach out to. I mean, he's coached against some of these guys that he's looking at. Um, he definitely brings um, an attitude that is, this is important, that there's value in college rugby. He knows that because he's been there. And I think that's what binds both NOLA and Utah together is a belief that there are players here, there are quality players. But, you know, it's, it's interesting to see how much time and effort both NOLA and Utah, and I'm sure other teams as well, have put in to identify the right player. They're looking at both the... Um, you know, the physical attributes, the rugby knowledge, but also the mental attributes, because you're going to be taking these players that are stars and you're going to be asking them to sit on the bench and they might have to sit on the bench for a couple of years. And they've got to have, they've got to, they've got to be the right kind of person to be able to do that and kind of break through that barrier and not walk away. Yeah, I hundred percent agree. It'll be fascinating post-draft as teams are a little bit more open with their philosophies and their processes through this. And I think we'll, we'll learn a lot more, uh, on how teams approach the draft in year two when they kind of learn and see the successes and success stories coming out of year one, Pete. And I, I think there's something else that's happening, and we're hearing this around the league. There are more teams that are investing in full rugby in some kind of developmental side, and that's what these college players need. You know, I've, I remember my first men's rugby game, Dan, and, like, running into, like, a 32-year-old forward and having him like not move at all. Like you're like, there's just like an old grisliness of men's rugby. And you've got to learn how to take the ball into contact. You've got to learn how to hit that hole a little quicker because the hole's not open as long. And the more that these guys, these young guys can be exposed and be given minutes in the fall, in the off season, the better it will help them when they're on the bench trying to gain minutes in the spring. Yeah, and much to not to keep harping on the NFL, I think we'll see a trend of players with higher ceilings getting drafted over maybe a more finished product now, but with a lower ceiling because the coaches feel like there's the ability for this player to grow in a professional environment, perhaps more than another. But Yeah, and, and, and Dan, I think also what we also might see is we might see guys that have less rugby experience, but a higher athletic um, uh ceiling going first exactly for what you said because their learning curve will be better so if someone played rugby for 10 years they're actually not going to improve that much they'll improve but someone who's played rugby for three years that like was cut from a football team or or, or played another high level sport they've like every day they're going to get better quicker and so that's the hardest thing i think for some of these general managers and coaches is to project the developmental curve and the learning curve of these athletes before they've even worked with them. All right, Pete, put on the general manager's hat here. 
because we're going to do our top five. So just as a disclaimer, we're not going to say these are the first five players picked. They're just our top five players that we think are in the draft. So on Saturday, don't start blowing up my social media that I was wrong and Pete was right, which is very likely to be the case, but don't do it. I, see, Dan, I, I took a different attitude to this. I picked five players that I liked, right? I think these are, like, I picked five players I think can do well in the MLR, but That's I'm I completely did. ambivalent or agnostic about the needs of a team, right? So we have mm -hmm. to recognize that teams are looking at these players based on what they think their squads are going to be probably this year and next year. And I, I just said, who do I, you know, who do I like the most? Who do I think can project to be a real MLR player? like a real top player. And, um, and, and, and that's what I did. So I don't have any expectation that my top five is going to be selected top five or even in this order. But, you know, I just watched that, you know, watched a bunch of games, said, I like that guy. I think that guy's got it. And, and, and that's what I went with. Disclaimer noted and appreciated. All right, drum roll. Brrr, little uh, National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation drum roll there. Pete Steinberg's number one. Who is it, Pete? Well, I am going with Brian Nolt from Central Washington. Um, you know, he's, he's a prop. He can play hooker. Um, he was a number eight uh, um, team captain at Central Washington. Uh, I, I think that this guy, um, I think this guy has what it takes to be an eagle. Uh, he can do with putting on a little bit more weight if he's going to, have the uh, number one or number three jersey, but um, these guys can all put on um, a little bit more. Uh, you know, Washington product uh, played. Um, you know, for the loggers. I just think when when you see this guy play, it, it's funny because he's a former number eight down. But when you watch this guy play, he runs like a prop. He runs like an athletic prop, which isn't like a. I I mean that not as a slight. He doesn't run like a number eight. He runs like a big guy who can run. And I thought like his athleticism, I think, is, is really good. And he's definitely one to watch. Do I get a drum roll? Or are you just going to leave me hanging? All right. I'll oh, I think you just shut down the, your microphone there. <laughs> I have gone with my number one player in the draft, Connor Mooneyham out of Life University. I think he's versatility. I think the fact is a little older, 24. He served a mission uh, with the, uh, the LDS church. And I, I found players who do that typically come back a little bit more mature and well-rounded. So he'll come out a little older and I think he's game ready and ready to go. I love his versatility. I love his leadership qualities that he's shown at Life University, two-time champion down there. And he's had some experience in representative rugby as well with the All-Americans. So just through osmosis, he's been around good coaching, good players, not only at life, but on the representative circuit as well. So I will go with him as my numero uno. So right, he Pete? is, yeah, so he is actually my number two player. And I, I agree with you. I think, um, so this is sort of one of these interesting things. I don't think Brian Nolt's going to come out. I'm not sure that he's going to be able to step on the field and play because I think that's hard in the front row, but I think he's got a huge upside. Um, I think that um, Moynihan can. I think this guy can step up. Um, I think that he is, um, I, I think he's a player that, that can play from day one. You're right. He's a little bit older. He's got a good size to him. Um, I think he's a really, really talented player. But I don't think, like, this is the funny thing. I'm not sure that there's going to be a huge amount of growth in him. I think he's going to get a bit better. Um, 
and obviously by playing. But I don't know that you know you're going to look back five years from now and see him as one of the stars in MLR. But he's definitely going to be a contributor um, right from the get go. Oh, see, that's that's where we disagree on Mooneyham. I think he'll play a little bit of back three initially, but I see him as a great option at twelve if he can go to the right franchise and get the right coaching. I think if he worked a little bit on his distribution and decision making as a ball player, and that takes some time to mature into. I think you could see him as being a really good inside center down the road. So, so I, I, like, I, I thought about that and I looked at him and I agree with you. I don't think his distribution and decision making is good enough. I just don't know that you're going to get enough time to do that. Like, I think that's actually one of the hardest things to change. Like, if you said to me, how many reps would it take for someone to be like a better, like, just distributor at 12? I mean, thousands at 12. Right. And so when you're 24, you don't get that. Right. You want to be getting that when you're 13, 14. So so I think look, I think he's a great player. I think that um, he can definitely mature. I agree with you. It's going to be about being at the right franchise and being someone that really wants to invest in it. So I don't disagree with that. Well, my number two, just to be totally boring here, was actually your number one, Brian Nolt. And uh, rugby aside, obviously, I think this kid has a huge ceiling as well. And him sitting and playing, you know, wearing 16, 17 for a year is not going to be a bad thing for his development because I think he's still got some growth in him physically and mentally. And again, in the right place with the right coaching and the right senior players ahead of him, you know, this is lofty, but I think higher honours are not, with, not, not beyond his grasp. And he was, the, he was the sealer, Pete. You want to hear it? Mate, he has a pet kangaroo. How cool is that? <laughs> I mean, I don't even have a pet kangaroo. So, Brian Nolt, uh, send me a picture of your pet kangaroo. I'm jealous. All oh, right. That's great. Number three, Pete Steinberg. Take it away. So, I am going with Cameron Dodson from um, Grand Canyon University um, from England. Uh, played, um, you know, basically has played all of his life. Um, is is one of these guys, he's very versatile, right? Which, which is, could be a problem for him because it means, you know, he, he can play in the back row, he can play at lock. He's probably not really tall enough at lock. Um, he's put on some good weight at, at, at um, uh, GCU. GCU, one of these, like, up-and-coming programs. Um, Sean O'Leary's there is a great coach. I think he's going to come in. I think this is someone who can also come in and contribute very, very quickly. I just love watching him play. Like, like this is this is the wonderful thing, Dan, about being in the roles that we have. Is I have like completely like coaches' eye picks, right? So the coaches' eyes, you watch something like that guy. Oh, I love the way he plays. Now, my whole list is filled with coaches' eyes pick. Right? I haven't looked at any of the stats. I just I just love the way he plays. He's a smart guy. I mean, he's good in contact, um, and I think he's someone that can actually take that contact in the men's game pretty quickly. I think the eyeball test, it doesn't let you down too much, Pete. It can watching, uh, watching highlights, but watching a full game, I think right. highlights suck me in and then I'll go, I've been watching full games and I watch it against good opposition. I don't go watch a game where you win 100 points to zero. I go and watch a game where you lose or it's a real tight one. And that's, I think, when your coach's eye is obviously more highly tuned than mine. But I think that's when I really made my picks. My number What's three. Your number three, Dan? I went with Connor Buckley. I've been on the Buckley train since day one for scrum half out of Iona College. And uh, to be honest, I'm 
very petrified of Bruce McLean. I think most of American rugby people are scared of what could happen if they upset Bruce McLean. Put me in that large crowd as well. But I like Connor. I like the pedigree. Uh, I like the history that he has there already in New York. Uh, Mike Petrie, I spoke to, to Peaches. He's very, very high on this kid. Likes him. High character. And I think he's going to be... Uh, He's going to be a guy, and we're probably going to say this with everyone, in the right franchise, has a very high ceiling, in my opinion. He, he needs to work on probably his speed of distribution. If I was him, and this is not saying this is going to happen, but playing behind a Danny Tussitala at Old Glory would be the best thing that could happen to him, to, to learn through osmosis of watching how quick Danny plays and how he gets to the breakdown, how he reads the field, just studying that sitting on the bench, maybe getting 10 minutes at the back end of some games throughout the season would be huge for him. I know he's had that education with Mike Petrie and probably not a better mentor to have for a nine in the USA, but I, I think his style suits Tusitala significantly, that quick dynamic. He loves to run. And he's a tough little bugger too, Pete. He likes mixing it up in, in, the, in the rough stuff. So he is my number three. Your thoughts on Connor? Well, so Connor's in my is is in my joint number five list, and oh, sorry, um, and, and so you know, like I'm a scrum half, and so what I would say to um, people scrum halves that want to enter the draft in 2021 is your highlight reel should have a lot more of your passing in it. I watch Connor's highlight reel, and he's obviously a great rugby player, a great decision maker. You could see he's got a pretty good foot, um, but like really was you could see he's the leader of Ryan. I mean, he was. I mean, well, he spent three years as the captain. Like, obviously, this guy is a leader of the team and he led the team. But I didn't see him pass, pass from the ground once in his highlight reel. So I went back and started looking at some tape online. It's great. You can go in for Iona Rugby, right, into YouTube. And I watched him against um, Army because I wanted to see what he did mm. in the back foot. And he was still, like, you could see him. His work rate was high. Um, he needs to do a bit of work on his pass. Um, particularly his left, his, I think it's his left hand, um, just not quite heavy enough for me, right? So that means he's, he's got to get his weight transfer and his follow-through right. But, but I completely agree with you. I think this kid, you know, could be like, a, like a, you know, another Petri three World Cups kind of guy in the right setup, right? And needs to play behind someone, needs to learn that you can't always tap and go in penalties, Right, and I, I don't know how much of that is Bruce's philosophy, Iona. Um, oh, it's definitely not Bruce's philosophy. I can tell you some experience. <laughs> so, so, but I, like, I agree with you. I think, I think he's got, he's got a huge upside. He's, but he's down at number five for me, just because I think he's a bit more of a gamble than maybe some of the other guys. All right, who have you got at four then? So, so at four was interesting. So, um, you know, I called for USA Rugby the uh, um, uh, twenty eighteen. Um, 2018, I think 2017. Oh, 2017. No, 2017. D2 or, um, and D1 AA uh, championships. And um, I saw Matt Gordon then and um, playing for, uh, um, uh, why am I blanking on um, Mary Washington? I almost had to come in there. Rescue. You always have to come in. It's it's late. It's late. I've got a baby that gets up at four o'clock in the morning. I'm late at the end. So for Mary Washington, he was really impressive then. I think he's improved. He's one of these guys that um, he's a really good player. I think there's some question 
about um, he's a bit of a finesse player, right? And so the question, you know, the big question is, is he going to be someone that can um, uh, take the physicality? But I, I really loved his work rate at the breakdown, like a really, really strong player at the breakdown. He got on his feet quickly. I think that's, um, that's going to be a real advantage. Um, and again, on the eye test, just like, he's, you know, he's one of those guys that I noticed a few years ago and I'm like, that, that guy knows how to play rugby. And I think that he brings some athleticism and some strong rugby IQ. Um, so he is my number four. All right. My number four, I've gone with Tommy Clark out of AIC. Now, for those of you who don't know Cordell Stewart, uh, quarterback for the Pittsburgh Steelers back in the day, his nickname was Slash because he was a quarterback slash running back slash wide receiver you know, slash half A. And this is how I feel about Tommy Clark. Like, super athletic guy. 6'3", 230, you know, around there. Been really good in the seventh scene for AIC for a long time. And that's been a pretty good seventh program over the last few years. Also good at 15s. I know he plays a little bit of lock, a little bit of back row. Sevens, I could see him going from anywhere from 14, 11, 13 to 7, 6, 4, 5 in a pinch maybe some eight as he gets a little bit more uh, mature. But again, if, if I see a little bit of Nikai Penny in him as well, just to, to pull a reference to a current MLR player uh, in terms of like just a ferocious ball carrier, a, you know, a real mongrel aggression at the breakdown as well. So I think that guy could be a really big pickup and contribute year one, perhaps on the bench. Um, maybe not every week, but, you know, again, and a good study, real humble kid too. Really like what I've seen of Tommy Clark up there. So yeah, I think point. that there's, so I think that um, it's, it's going to be interesting to see because the versatility of players in college, it'll be interesting to see how that translates. And, and what I would say to any young drafted player is you're going to have to make a bet on your position I think the higher le the level you get, the more specialized you need to become. And a lot of it is, Dan, what you do without the ball, your positioning, both on defense and attack in a system. Like, it's actually quite hard to take, like, you know, if you take an eight and you put, make him a lock, then his positioning on defense is different. His positioning on attack is different. It's, even though they might feel like the same, it's actually quite difficult to make that transition. And for some of these young guys, I think they're going to, you know, their coach with their coaches, they're going to have to make a bet about where they're going to play. Right. And so I think that um, that's going to be one of the, um, the big challenges of, of, of players like that. All right. I, I know I, you I, have multiple number fives here. So I'm going to do you, I'm going to do you a favor. Give me yeah. one number five and then I'll let you pick two more players after I do my number five, but we can't go as in depth on them. Just two guys who we'll call them sleepers maybe. So who's your number five, Pete? So, well, my number five was Connor Buckley. Yay, there you go. We, we so, agreed so a lot good. tonight. So, so, so one of my sleepers, and he's a bit of a sleeper because of the situation he's in, and I have to, you know, and, I, and, I, and I'm probably required uh, because of my background is um, Tom Capriotti, the uh, hooker from, um, from Penn State. So the, the weird thing for him is that I think he's going back for a fifth year, but he's declared for the draft. Um, Great ball carrier, um, athletic enough that he could play in the back row, um, good size for a hooker. He's, he's sort of one of my sleepers that you might take at the end of round two. 
because you're like, well, I, you know, we, we like him. We think, you know, he'll take another year and then we'll bring him on at the end of the season, um, like the end of the college season um, or what, whatever, you know, whatever season college is going to happen. It might be in the fall, right? I mean, 15s could happen in the fall, for, is, is going to happen in the fall for some of these teams. And, uh, you know, we'll, we'll bring them on in the, in the spring. But that's, uh, that's one of my sleepers. Well, sleepers were after I did my number five. Oh, sorry. You can have another sleeper now as long as you just wait for me. To oh, wait. All right. Five. I'll wait. All right. My number five. I'm actually going another scrum half. So you'll like this, Pete. And this has been – this guy wasn't on my board uh, when, you know, we kind of got the list of players declared for the draft. Wasn't on my board. He's on and my as a, He wasn't, Aaron. He wasn't. He is now because he's number five. You guys have got to stop with this interrupting me. It's my podcast. This is the Dan Power Podcast Plus Guess. And Pete Simon. <laughs> the Power Hour. <laughs> no, so with, with the, I'll, I'll get to the point here. Matt Rogers, Scrum Half, University of Arizona. Uh, Legion fans will recognize the name. Kyle played uh, for the Legion year one and year two. Um, so he already has some pedigree there in the league. Unbelievable vision and initial speed is what I like when I saw him on film. He jumped out. I was actually watching another player. And this happens a lot. I'm sure you get this when you're coaching Pete. I was watching another player. And then I kept seeing him. And I'm like, well, who is this kid? And I did my research. And there he comes up and eligible in the draft. So my only knock would be he is, he's not a well-built guy, you know, 165, 170 pounds. He needs to put on some size to handle the MLR. And as we've seen uh, with Jake Chrisman, who's now down at the Sabercats, I believe, you know, Warriors, Sabercats, Glendale Raptors in year one, um, very talented kid, but has had to adjust to professional rugby and put on some size. I put Matt Rogers into that category as well. He needs to put on some size, but overall, very impressed. I spoke to some of the coaches uh, on the West Coast and they were the same way. They, they always had the game plan a little bit extra for how we attacked off the back of not only set piece, but also the rucks. And he was very snipey. I believe he won them the Pac-12 Sevens title with a try in overtime back in 2018. Well, look at this. Nerd alert. So, College yeah. rugby nerd alert. Deep. Did you call the game? Went deep. I actually didn't. It was on Pac-12. It was uh, Brian Hightower called it. And I had the WPL final at the same venue as soon as that finished. It was a mad scramble. So but I got to watch the game. And, and he kind of jumped out as a very dynamic, exciting player. So he could be a guy who may not go in the first round, maybe in the second, but I expect to see him in camp. And like I said, probably playing full rugby with uh, one of these franchises and trying to make his way into the 23 in 2021. All right, sleeper. Who have you got as a sleeper? I have two. Well, well so, so, the, so I don't know that this guy is going to get drafted, but I think he is someone that we should keep an eye on, and it's Jack Webster from LSU. Mm. Pete. What? I should have gone first. You should have gone first. Well, well, you said you had two, so now, like... You know, but well, like let's let's talk about Jack Webster. This is this is one of these guys that picked up rugby in college. He's got great footwork. Um, likes to hit. Uh, he's at like like if I'm Nola, I'm just hoping that no one drafts him. Right, local guy LSU. I'm sure Fitzy's really happy that you've bought him up. 
Well, like I said, I, but I think it's a project, right? So, so, so I started with, I don't know if this guy gets drafted because I don't know if the teams that, if MLR teams are willing to make the investment that needs to happen to take a guy like this in a back position, right? So probably like when you look at him, you're like, maybe he's going to play 13. But to play 13, there's a lot of skills he's going to have to develop. That's a long-term project. So the question is, are there teams that are willing to make that long-term? And we've already talked about, we know Nola is, right? We, we know that Nola, Nola would, but, you know, I, it, so he's a really interesting guy. So I think he's someone with a lot of potential. I don't know if he's one of the top 24, but he's someone that we should keep an eye on. Two or three years from now, he could be one of the studs in the league. Yeah, I think he'll, he'll be in the league next year. Uh, just coach's eye, I'll steal that one from you. He, he leaped off the screen to me. Uh, his physicality, his willingness to find contact in defense and punish. Uh, you know, at 6'2", 200, pretty well-built guy to play in the midfield, big enough. You know, he'll get a little bigger too at only 22 years of age. So he's got another two, three years in a professional, you know, environment, lifting weights, training. He can grow a little bit. Um, he needs a strong support system. So, Jack, I know you're listening. You need to find resources source them out and grow as much as you can because I really think I agree with Pete. This kid has superstar written all over him and I am excited to see where he lands at some point, either Saturday night or Sunday morning. So my other one, Pete, is uh, it's, I'm going back to Life University. I started with Life, Connor Mooneyham. I'm going to finish with Life. Justin Johnson. Another guy I was watching some film and, and he just jumped out. So I started looking a little deeper and just a super athletic, physical, aggressive guy. Uh, I was talking to the head coach down there, Colton Carriaga, and just he gave me a few little points on on uh, Justin Johnson that kind of really sealed the deal for me. And I'm excited to see what he can do. I know Scott Lawrence is probably hoping he goes through undrafted, this Atlanta guy, and, and would love to keep him there. So, yeah, very, I mean, very I think big, I, talented I, 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 guy. I really like I really like him too, and he's it's nice to see like he's a smart guy, um, you know he's a product of the uh, all the various um, USA rugby pathways. Like he's he's the guy that like he's like one of these guys that Major League Rugby is made for. I think a little bit like Brian Nolt. Like you can imagine if Major League Rugby wasn't here, like he wouldn't like he wouldn't be able to fulfill his potential. So this this. I, I, I mean, I like, I like Justin. I think, that, um, I think there's a lot of upside there. He's still quite young. And so I think there's, there's, a, there's a lot to learn. Open side flank is one of those positions that I think is pretty technical. But um, yeah, he's a, he's, he's a good call, Dan. I'll, I'll give that one to you. Mate, two degrees in four years. To me, it's a kid who processes information quickly and retains it. So from a coach, I look at that as an indication that I can bring him in. He's going to learn quick. So big yeah, ceiling. Absolutely. And uh, at 21, young enough. He's only 215 pounds, but I think you get him to 235 pretty quickly, and he's going to be an absolute monster wearing the six jersey in the future there for, for an MLR franchise. All right, Pete, we have that locked in. Obviously, some big announcements uh, that have caused quite the stir have been the naming of our two new expansion teams, uh, the Dallas Jackals, uh, which was named later, but uh, the LA Giltinis, Adam Gilchrist and, and his group have the Gilgronies. 
of which I am uh, member number one, of course, honorary, not official. And then the LA <laughs> Giltinis. I'm trying, I'm trying my best to keep it together, Pete, when I say that. But now the Giltinis come in. Um, your, your, <laughs> been, your thoughts. It's been, it's so, so, so I think it's been really interesting to see the reactions of, of the online to the two announcement, right? So the Dallas Jackals came out and everyone says, love the logo, colors are cool, this is great. But the Giltinis, just like the Gilgronis before them, cause a lot more noise. And, you know, I remember when the Gilgronis came out, we all rolled our eyes and we said, really? Like, this is ridiculous. But guess what? They did a great job in Austin. Like, like you know, we, you, you're a Gilgroniac. Like, you, were, you, you became on board. So, so I think that, you know, the Giltinis is definitely, you know, um, obviously, you know, it's, it's part of the business plan that um, Loyal's Rugby has and, and Adam Gil, Gilchrist and, and they know how to make noise, right? And it's sort of like, you know, the worst thing, that, what is it? The worst thing be, them being talked about is not to be talked about. And, yeah, uh, guerrilla marketing 101. Yeah, so, so that, like, um, it, it was, it, you know, it was a shock that, that I, I actually love the colors. I actually really love So do I. I, I, love, I love the colors. The, the logo is a challenge, I think, but, but yeah, I'm not going to put anything behind that, 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 the marketing group behind Loyal's Rugby. They've, they've done it before with, with the Gilgronies, and we're, um, we're, you know, now they're just a name, and now they're just a team. So, you know, it, it, I, think, I think we'll see that happen with the Giltinis too. I know. Well, for you and I, it was week, uh, week one. We did the game for Fox Sports in Austin, and I think going around and talking to the people there and the players made made it a little bit more uh, easier to swallow for us. And then it's kind of evolved from there even more with the Gilgroni. So, well, I think, yeah, I mean, I mean, I think that there's, I'm not sure, you know, I, I'm, I think one of the most disappointing things about, one of the most disappointing off-field things about the cancellation of, um, of the season, right? So this is off the field, was how successful was Austin going to be um, with their reset what, two weeks before the season started, changing venues, changing names, changing logos. I mean, people don't, I don't think people understood. Like I saw some stuff where people were like, oh, like look at, look at the jerseys, the names are coming. I'm like, you don't understand. Like it takes six to 12 months to get the jerseys right. And they did it in two weeks. Like it was phenomenal. And I would have loved to have seen by the end of the season what the Gilgronies crowd was. And I bet they would have had a healthy crowd. They were doing everything right. And so, you know, I think that we saw that, right? When we went down there, we, we talked to the guys there and we're like, man, these guys, that they're, like, they're doing things right. And it's the same crew, right? It's the same, you know, the same backers, the same, you know, um, marketing knowledge. The Giltinis are going uh, to be successful, I think. I mean, I mean, I think the biggest challenge for both of these teams is, is, where, is where are they going to play? And, you know, it sounds like both teams might be playing in very large stadiums that probably are a bit big. But it's, you know, the, the venue is, is the challenge for all the teams in Major League Rugby. Well, there's a lot of development in Dallas, in particular north of Dallas. So I think there's opportunities there. But LA, LA as we've seen in the NFL with the Rams and the Chargers, LA is a tough market. So um, just the fact that they're trying something different and they're going to be a little bit more aggressive with the naming and the branding, 
maybe that's the only way to do it in LA. Because that, that is a tough sports market. Exactly. If- like, 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 you know, we look at it and we're like, well, how do you break through? Well, you probably break through with the guillotines. Like, like you wouldn't break through with the, you know, with the, uh, um, I don't know, the, the, the LA Wolves. You know what I mean? Like, like, like a normal name probably wouldn't break through in LA. So those guys aren't dumb. Um, and I'm, I'm looking forward to see what, to, you know, to see where they go with the guillotines. Yeah, me too. Still haven't had a Gilgroni, but I'll, I'll try one next year and I'll try Giltini as well. So, well, uh, dude, I like I tried my first Negroni after like like I mean it works, right? This is marketing. I didn't like it. I'm I'm, I'm a much I'm much more likely to have a martini. There you go. There you go. L.A. So the Gilgronis <laughs> have secured one of the hosts, and now free agent Pete Steinberg nailing Gilgini, his colors to the Giltini Send him a shirt, send him a sample, and so, uh, you got him on the, board. If it's, um, so if it's still, if it's the Gilgroniacs, um, am I a, like a Gil, Giltinian? Giltinian. Let me, let me just percolate on that just a little bit, Pete. Giltinian. Can I get back to you on the next show? Let me, sure. let me work, work my magic. So the Gilgroniacs is pretty solid. I like that, you know. Well, well your next show, Dan, is on Saturday, right? You're doing the, uh, the draft show. Yeah, it'll be uh, Danny Wexelman, who most viewers will know from her sideline work with Major League Rugby and uh, the commish, big George Killebrew. So uh, history, right? it's going to be exciting. Sad that you're not able to make it out, Pete, but... Um, no, I'll be, I'll be it'll spirit. be great because it's on Facebook Live, which allows me to comment to all the other fans about how well you're doing, Dan. So oh. Facebook Live, and it's also on... Uh, um, FTF next, so for the fans next, uh, so for the people that want to want to tune in. Be nice, Pete. Be nice to me. Uh, yeah, that's exactly what I'm going to do. <laughs> I'm definitely going to be nice to you. Oh, I appreciate it. <laughs> I appreciate it. All right. Always well, that, that wraps it up uh, until Saturday night. We'll, we'll be talking to you guys, Pete, virtually online and um, myself on the, the draft show, but uh, if he does start ragging me, uh, you support. You hey, Dan, 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 can we just hold it before you sign off? So, so two things. First of all, if you, if you, if, if you're the first time listening um, or you listened before, please subscribe um, to whatever your podcast system is, whether it's Stitcher or, or um, iTunes, whatever it is. Um, and also leave a review because that helps people find this podcast. And we want to grow the name of um, major league rugby. And I will be online on Saturday on Facebook. If you have any Dan Power questions, please post them online in the comments and I will give you the absolute honest truth about everything I know about Dan Power. Yeah, I appreciate that. Thanks a lot, Pete. I'm sure that, I'm sure that won't go sideways in a hurry. Uh, I'll, anything I'll else? Anything else? Give us your thoughts on what the Giltini's uh, fan base should be called as well. I'd love to hear people's thoughts on that. Yeah, yeah, that's, that's another good one. Yeah, I'll post some questions on the Facebook comments. We'll get some... Uh, We'll get some fan, fan engagement going. Perfect. All right. Pete Steinberg, Aaron Castro. I'm Dan Power. MLR. Kick it off. It's another one in the books. We'll see you after the draft. We'll dissect all the action from Saturday night. Until then. <laughs>